Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Streaming live. You know, for my money, it does not get better than this. Thank you for tuning in to the 200. That means 200. I can't believe it. You're tuned into the 200th episode of the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. And who better? It's the man right on the screen joining us. It is Chris Kremitzos. I asked. He said yes. Here we are. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. I just realized I didn't plug in my mic. And no problem. It, now the mic is in. <laughs> and you still sound good. So it's perfect. So um, we're going to have a great dialogue on, uh, on all things that are relevant to the audience. Uh, you may know, Chris, I'm guessing so many tuning in know exactly who you are. But just for a quick overview, I'll do the legwork. Chris is the founder and creator of PodFest Multimedia Expo, uh, six years running, if I have that number correct. Uh, one, of the, one of the largest podcast industry conferences and growing. Uh, he's also a TV host in his past life, which is fascinating. A filmmaker of The Messengers, a podcast documentary, and an author of this, of this very book. It's called Start Ugly. Just go to Amazon, type in Start Ugly, and you'll find it. It's a fascinating book on how to start ugly. Uh, let's jump right into this. First of all, like I said, Chris, thank you for, for saying yes. And like I, like I wrote in the post announcing this, it was literally one year to the day yesterday. I'm sure it wasn't missed by you. You know your, your calendar and schedule. A year ago to the day, your live event, PodFest in Orlando, uh, ended. And that was really, I was, I was uh, proud enough to, to be a speaker there, which was great. So that was sort of my first entrance into you and your world. And so much obviously has happened in the year. We don't have to get into that specifically about the year. But when I started thinking like, wow, that was a year ago, like, it just feels strange because so much seems to have happened, at least in my world, in the block of a year. What do you make of that? Well, you know, we had that. We don't even say live event anymore because live events could be virtual. They could be, we, we do say in person. It was the last in person event of its kind for our uh, industry really. And then what I, what I make of it is after we were done with it, I remember binge watching Tiger King and having meetups around that. And I knew what I couldn't <laughs> do. And I think all of us knew what we couldn't do, but I wasn't sure what I could do. And that's when I started exploring what could I do? 
and we delved into live virtual events. The first one actually was pre-recorded, released live, which is a whole another thing. But we um, we delved into live events, and we said, can we can we create the same experience that we create in an in-person event through a virtual world? And we learned that we could. And since then, we have literally catered to thousands of individuals and creators all across the globe, and we've expanded the PodFest community and what we call the PodFam, and it's been exceptional. It's been an exceptional experience. We'll be having an in-person event again this year. So, like, we, we will be the longest-running in-person event of its kind for our industry uh, okay. continuously you know, in person. And then virtual events are here to stay, so we're excited to do these live virtual events. Yeah, we had a very similar through through PodMax. We were a live events company going into 2020. 2020 happened. We said, oh, my God, what now? What's possible? And we were like, could this work as a virtual event? And lo and behold, on, on many levels, it seems to be working better, right? Offering more opportunity than what's even been possible as, as the live event. Looking at what's, what's fascinating about you, when... Those who know you know this, but for those who don't, there, there's always a handful of words by default that people use to describe you, right? The word kind comes up, connector, motivator, change maker, all of these words. And what's interesting is on your Facebook, under your picture, you wrote, looking to meet extraordinary people who love living in the flow of life. Two things really stood out for me. Using the word extraordinary, you didn't use it as the one word extraordinary. You deliberately wrote extra hyphen ordinary. So I'd love to get your take on that deliberate choice. And then also it's, it's really comforting, especially for what I like to focus on, you know, just embracing the, and trying to figure out the whole meaning of life where you use the term uh, look, looking for people who love living in the flow of life. What is actually, what does that mean? Well, I believe that we all come from the same root. So we're all what you would call maybe ordinary in that we're all human. Uh, and then the extra is those of us that want a little bit more out of life. So we're exploring, we're discovering, we're learning. And those people tend for me to be in the flow of life. So they're present to what's going on in front of them. They're working on really amazing creative projects. Mm. I don't know about you, Josh, but I grew up in the Northeast. I have some really amazing relatives. But as it turns out, some of them peaked in high school. Others peaked in their 20s. And what I mean by that is they gave up <laughs> on being in the flow of life. And when, when they look at the past, and a lot of people do that, they look at their past successes and they don't realize in front of them, is uh, the present where they could create a really extraordinary future, but they just got to be in the flow of life. So I, I, I tend, as my wife has um, mentioned to me, I tend to attract extraordinary people and they tend to be slightly eccentric. Uh, mm. and my favorite kind of people because so, uh, they just bring a different flavor to life. You attract that kind of person. I've learned, especially in these hand handful of years when I've taken the deliberate action to no longer leave my, you know, dark, depressing life and hide all of my talent and ability and instead really uh, live up to what I know I'm capable of doing. And 
from from those two sides of having spent 40 plus years attracting and living that way, you wind up attracting the very people and person that you are. Now, I mean, come on, if I was even remotely in that old world, I, I wouldn't have, A, I wouldn't have had the, the knowledge to ask you or somebody like you to be my guest. I wouldn't have gotten here. You wouldn't have been compelled to say, yeah, sure, let's do it. So how does, how does someone like you stay in that? Because you, you, you have to be aware that who you are, how you show up, what you represent, the energy that you give off is what's returning, allows you to attract those very people. How do you stay focused and deliberate on that path? I don't watch news. Um, actually, a lot of people are shocked that I don't know a lot of the current events. I, I know some things, but I try to, anything that's... Uh, Feeding negative energy, I, I do my best to stay away. Uh, the people I surround myself with tend to be very positive-minded individuals. So therefore, there is a, uh, a feedback loop of, real, like you said, really amazing, positive people. I remember once I remarked to my wife, you know, everybody I know are just such great people. And she said, you forget that when you left New York, you intentionally set out to surround yourself with positive people. And I go, oh, yeah, I, did, I forgot that I did that. Um, wow. So very rarely do I have... I deal with a lot of, um, I have some different groups I'm part of, and there's one big CEO group I'm part of. And I think people are always like amazed at like how great the community is and all the things that we do. And it's maybe because like attracts like, and we mm -hmm. look for that. Now I'm not saying crappy things don't happen. It's just, I don't focus on them and I don't put my attention there. Uh, I definitely fix the challenges as they come, but I, I do my best to focus on great friendships, great family relationships and, you know, great family trips. And then, PodFest is an extension of my family. So I don't see it as a, um, it definitely is a business, but it's approached in a very family community oriented way, which is a very unique way to look at it because uh, the community comes first, uh, which is always the decisions that we're making are community focused. Yeah, let's talk about PodFest uh, and, and sort of unravel what it means and what it represents and how you got there. Not just literally what you did, but really digging into what allowed it to be. You said that when you left New York, your, your, uh, your wife reminded you that, that you had the intention, which is so important not to be missed, that it, it really is, whether we're conscious or subconsciously doing it, we attract what we think about. Uh, do you... And, and then in that post that I wrote uh, about like, hey, I'm going to be with Chris during this interview. And it was a year ago to the day. And you wrote, what timing is that? How does that all play into everything you do and what you approach and what you grab onto the timing of things? So the two things, uh, I go through life uh, very accidental in some ways and uh, at the same time, very intentional. So very weird thing. So I have a duality that happens at the same time. So Josh, I, I, you were at the last PodFest. I don't know if you saw the gentleman. We had a gentleman that was paralyzed that stood up. Um, as I part sure of did, our... of course. Okay. So to give you an example, that was not planned until a week before PodFest, that moment. Oh. So that's part of the accidental coincidences of I, wow. I entrust the community will take care of everything and that these magical um, coincidences or accidents happen 
And that was what we're mentioning is we literally had a gentleman that was part of a podcast stem talks that was paralyzed that had electrodes put in his spine. He was able to stand in front of the audience. That was the peak of our keynote stage, so to speak. But we didn't have that plan until maybe a week or two prior because I allow for everything I do scheduled in there is um, happy accidents, uh, coincidental accidents. So I would say very intentional we allow the energy of the community to also bring to the fold some amazing uh, moments or occurrences. Uh, the reason why I mentioned that is part of what I do is very deliberate. We schedule out things, we do things, but the other part that's in there is the creative side, which is we're gonna allow the community or the universe to provide the answers to this oh, empty wow. space that we don't know what it is. Wow. And that's, the, that's some of the magic sauce. My, a lot of people might be like, how do you organize all that? Uh, a lot of it is, um, allowed to organize so i really believe in the intention of manifesting things as long as you're doing the action so that that's built into everything we do which is uh you, you can't really explain it you have to live it so trust is is a big you i trust. trust in the universe will provide uh the missing pieces when i need it without having i don't i don't worry about it. i know it sounds crazy but i don't worry about it i let it unfold were you always this way? Like today, certainly, there's, there's a level of calm, of ease, of confidence to you. Did you have to grow into that, or was that always part of uh, young Chris growing up? No, I was a paranoid individual, especially in New York. Um, and over time, I learned to trust. But I remember having a mentor. We were in the vinyl siding, roofing, and window industry. And he was my business partner. I was the structure and marketing to his salesmanship. And he would execute uh, through the crews. And I remember once, he, this guy really believed in like the universal take care of everything to the point where I thought he was nuts until I actually became nuts like him. I remember once we actually bid on a job and he, he sold the job that we were going to rebuild the guy's roof. And I said to him, we don't have a framing crew. He goes, Oh, my buddy will do it. I go, framers are like booked out. This was during the housing boom. I go, framers are booked out. We don't have a framer. And he goes, Oh, he calls up his buddy, Tom. Tom's like, I'm booked out for three months. I'm like, you just told this guy we're going to reframe his roof in like two weeks. I go, that's just not ethical. And I was arguing with him. And he goes, don't worry about it. It'll take care of itself. I'm like, how the heck? Like, that's like such a, that's a, that's a weird thing. Literally uh, uh, later that day, we did an uh, estimate for vinyl siding. And the gentleman was one of the greatest carpenters. He was from Ireland and in New York City, a lot of the best carpenters come from Ireland. He was an Irish union carpenter in the city. And Manny made a deal for the carpenter to do the him and his crew on the weekend to do the other customer's roof. These are some of the best carpenters in the world. And then we would give him a discount on his siding. And we were able to do both jobs with no, not only did the guy do the roof, he was done like half a day and it was like the best roof you could ever had uh, framing wise. And then we were able to shingle the roof and all the other stuff. But it made me a believer in the intention of, um, allowing the universe to provide the answers. That's an extreme example, mm -hmm. but I was witness. I saw it happen multiple times. Now, I don't take it to that extreme, but I do trust that if we have gaps in the schedule, that things will appear and things will work out. But uh, that's kind of the moment I started believing, like, you know what, if you really trust, kind of like Indiana Jones um, stepping on that bridge, things will happen and things will, things will take care of themselves. Let's, let's talk about the podcast podcast medium and industry 
for a moment. Uh, a few years ago, like I said, when I had the realization to no longer play small, no longer show up scared and in fear and hiding everything that I knew darn well I was capable of doing. I just didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to make you feel insecure. If you saw me doing something kind of good, you might retaliate. Just, just crazy, crazy stuff. When I made that shift and said, okay, no more, the line is in the sand, podcasting came into my mind. And it's sort of one of those like intuition moments where I was like, oh yeah, I could, I, I feel like I'd probably be good at it. Something that I could nurture and develop and use and meet people and gain some confidence. And lo and behold, here we are 200 episodes later and still going. You also have a, a similar motto of what's what the industry represents and how you want to support it. It's through using your voice, right? Sharing your message, amplifying your message and your voice, least of which you, you created that amazing documentary for the in, in, uh, industry, The Messengers, right there in the title. Why is something like that important to you, to share your voice, to get it out there, especially through this microphone? Well, I think podcasting is a very unique platform where there's minimal cost. There's um, extreme freedoms, like podcasting, you own your RSS feed, which is different than pretty much any other medium. And then you could host it, you could put it out to dozens, if not hundreds of directories for your, your message. And it's, um, it's global. Like when Steve Jobs created the, the podcast store in Apple, right? He didn't put paywall. So like, I'll give you an example. You just mentioned the documentary, The Messengers, a podcast documentary. We created that as a visual. But when we tried to get distribution of this film to different countries, people would tell us we're geofenced out. And I had to look up the term. What does geofencing mean? <laughs> and it would mean literally you have to pay a paywall, whether it was a film commission in a certain wow. country to get in. Meanwhile, podcasting, it's not unusual for someone like you who's been podcasting for as long as you have to have 60 or 80 or 180 countries listening to the same message. So talk about the universality of the, the impact that you have. For video, it's not that easy because there's a lot of different country codes and, and different things, whereas podcasting is universal. So it's, um, it's a game changer. And I really believe in people putting their voice out there. Not only do they gain confidence, but there's other people that they'll be able to support in, in, the, in the journey. Did you have the, the idea going into the, the industry, how you have through PodFest, through the Messenger documentary, did you sort of start with, I want to give people uh, a platform for their message and, and bring all those people together? Well, there's two answers to that. In 2010, I brought in a speaker that no one really knew at the time. I had to market censored. His name was Gary Vaynerchuk. He had just published a book called Crush It. There was no speaking fee for Gary. He had a lot of hair. So did I. And uh, what I remember was I was teaching on a grassroots level social media in the early years when no one really knew what it was. And Gary understood that teaching that was not only a local level, it was a universal concept. So I made a promise to myself 
during these e-marketing groups, we have these meetups all over town, that if I saw something that had legs that could really support people, I would mm. take that and allow it to grow as, it, as needed. So when podcasting came across my desk at 2013, and there was a hockey stick moment where there wasn't enough content in the business section at the time, and people were getting a lot of downloads, that I wanted to support as many content creators as I could on this new revolution. So we started PodFest, we had 100 individuals, and then we kept doubling in size. So what I had to do was to take any limitations mentally to keep growing as the audience wanted to grow. We're now in, I mean, you know, the two virtual events we just had, one was 5,000 attendees, the other one now is 6,000 attendees. We do believe our in-person events starting next year, this year, it's touch and go. We'll have a good in-person event. But next year, when people from out of the, uh, out of the country will be able to travel, we have four to 5,000 people in-house and it's only gonna get bigger. So my goal is to support these people and connect them with one another. And my true superpower, I would say, is community building, building the community, allowing people to flourish uh-huh. and creating a facilitated environment for greatness to happen. So that's the other thing. We, we create a facilitated environment for really great things to happen. And that takes a lot of intention to um, make happen for, for the community. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about PodMax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next PodMax event. Somebody like you and somebody listening wants to achieve a version of that. Let's break it down to the message, sharing their message. This is something that like I keep uh, um, resorting to those, those few years when I realized I have a message, I want to get it out. This microphone seems like a great way to do it and, and expand from there. What is the first hurdle you or somebody listening has to get over in order to logically understand that, okay, I get it. I can use this to get my message out, but there are still some mental blocks there, right? So most podcasters take like years to get started because they're afraid that (laughs) one, their voice doesn't sound good. People are going to judge them. So Josh, I used to get the, uh, when I would do uh, local, I do a lot of local events, but since we've been doing virtual, right? Mm -hmm. When I used to go like town to town in the early years and I'd explain what is podcasting, I, would get, I got this question once, like four times in one week. I had like three, four presentations at chambers, at local luncheons, like all kinds of stuff. And the question was, what if someone listens? And what they were really asking was, what if someone judges what I'm putting out into the world? Okay. But that's how they asked it. They go, well, what if someone listens to what I put out there? And if you think about it emotionally, they're saying, what if someone judges what I have to say? There you go. And it, the question is absolutely that's what you that's what we're putting it out there people could do whatever they want but your job is to put it out there and allow your message to grow and and focus on the people that want your message 
And w the other thing I would tell people, once you get over the mental block, if you don't do it, someone else is going to do it. So you might as well do it, right? Uh, and then yeah. focus on your niche and your audience. And that's w w and your format. If you could focus on a great niche, understand your audience, and have a great format, you have the recipes for a very successful podcast. The thing you bring up that hits the most home that I know we can all relate to is that utter fear of judgment. What are people going to say? How am I going to look? Are they going to laugh at me? I was reading uh, a post on Facebook yesterday uh, from a, a podcast host, and she, she, she basically asked if her Australian accent is going to be a turnoff to people listening. And it was just, I mean, it's so, it, it hits home. Um, I don't, I, on one hand, I'll say I don't have an accent, but of course I have an accent to somebody else, right? But I'm not insecure or questioning my accent, but what I do question are other things, right? We all have our own insecurities that are rarely going to go away. They'll pop up in certain forms, even if they stop you in your tracks for a moment. The goal in the game is to try to figure out how to get, get, get through that and pass that. So whether it's an accent or something different, understand that we are all just trying to figure this out as best we can. Uh, you have the book, Start Ugly right here. Amazing. A great, short, in, powerful read. Um, I have a, uh, I'm, I, I'm about halfway through my book called The Art of Looking Foolish. And it's the same sort of concept that no matter what you do, you are going to appear foolish to others no matter what you do. Sometimes the more foolish you appear, the better you are and the more you're onto something, right? Because you want to take big, bold steps. So talk to me about Start Ugly. And what if somebody is thinking, well, I, I don't want to be judged. Like, I understand the concept, but I still don't want to be judged. And is it about that? It's about you and your art and putting it out to the world. And you're always going to start ugly. Anyone start is ugly, whether it's the most famous person in the world. We all started somewhere. Uh, and the key to that book is I, I, I remember once I was speaking to an audience and they want to know what kind of camera I was using, what kind of my whatever. And, I, you know, that's like uh, I think uh, Lou Mangello said, he goes, it's like asking Leonardo da Vinci, what kind of brush does he use? <laughs> and that doesn't matter. Like yeah. he's the art, he's perfected a craft. Um, and, and, and not saying that everybody's Leonardo da Vinci, but saying that you need practice no matter what the tools are and you'll get better. And I always say to people, it's not start ugly, stay ugly. It's start ugly and perfectly execute along the way. So that's just a philosophy I've adopted. So when I was talking to this group, I remember I just blew up. I said, just start ugly. And I felt, uh, I felt kind of self-conscious because I felt like I cursed at him. And I remember one of the attendees raised their hand, can you tell us more about this start ugly concept? <laughs> and like, I think oh. it's just two words. <laughs> but we built a whole a fictional story around it and it's done really well and helped serve the fact that we all have fears of starting ugly. But if you look at innovation, if you look at, I remember when Microsoft first came out and I was a kid and they would release everything with all the bugs in it. And I remember everybody was like, how could they release their software with all these bugs? And they understood like, 
with the innovation cycle, there's no such thing as perfection. Mm. Let your audience figure out where the bugs are and fix it as you go. Now that's the norm. Like that is the norm for, for all kinds of innovations. So if that's the norm, why would you buck the trend? Go with what the top tech uh, companies are doing. Start ugly and uh, fix it as you go. You'll, you'll get a lot you'll get to where you want a lot sooner than if you sat there thinking about it for two years. And I also love your, your confidence throughout this dialogue. You've used, uh, you've, you've called yourself, um, nutty and, and, and the people you're attracting and, and how you're putting yourself out there, which is, which is comforting because I mean, we're all, we're all weird. We're, we're, we're all quirky in our own way, in every way. Nobody has it figured out no matter what level you're at, because when you're at the next level, the, the next level up is new. And you're like, Oh, geez, I got to figure this out. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Nobody knows what they're doing. So you do, you just put it out. And for me, I'm sure you could relate what it's come down to is just finding the reason why, right? Finding the importance to do what you want to do deep down inside, because I wholeheartedly believe even having spent 40 plus years in this, in this role, I knew every step of the way, what I was capable of doing. It wasn't like, Oh, I don't know what I should be doing. No, I knew. And that caused the, the frustration and the distress and the aggravation and the jealousy, right? All of this, like, why I, I could do that. Why am I sitting here on the sidelines watching them do that when I know I could do it probably better than they are, but I was scared out of my mind to do so. So once I was able to find the reason why, which is a ticking time bomb, if I'm being, uh, 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 you know, um, deliberate about it, we're, we're all going to reach the end sooner or later. I want to pack in as much time as I can. Why? For my children, right? A seven-year-old daughter, a five-year-old son. I know you're a family man yourself. So for me, not unique in that way, but finally that hit home. And I'm like, oh, okay, finally, great. Thank you, universe, for after 40 years getting me to the point where I can say, what have I been doing? Fine. 40 years of schooling. Now I've graduated. I'm ready to go. Have you at some point in your life had that switch too, where it was just full steam ahead? Uh, I've been like a, a entrepreneur from when I was, I was selling like candy at school at like 12 or 13. So I'm one of those people like I was daydreaming. But as far as um, I will say this, as someone that was full steam ahead, I have had moments where you would call it a depression. I would just call it like a rudderless, which I could relate to. Mm. And what I found, here's the advice I found. Because in business, let's say you build up a business and you sell it. Believe it or not, most business owners go through a deep depression after they sell their business. Uh, and if you talk to the people that are mergers and acquisition specialists, they will tell you they actually get therapists for their clients before they sell their business. <laughs> or they tell them to set up plans after. And the reason is your ego, your sense of being gets wrapped up into it. So what I found is always having a future to live into wow. uh, and a purpose. So obviously there's the family, which comes first and foremost, but also a lot of hard drivers need some kind of, what is the purpose I'm living into? So I lost my purpose a couple of times because I sold my businesses and I thought that was my purpose. So you got to just understand that and do a lot of personal development work. Uh, that's why I'll change my titles up. Sometimes you'll see me call myself chief creative officer. I, I change it up. I try not to have any titles, even founder of PodFest. I'm basically the guardian of it right now in my Zoom. It says moderator. So I just try and change things up because I don't ever want to get held to a title. Uh, so mm. the advice I would, I would say on, on finding your spark, my spark is to bring people together 
for great things to happen, whether that's, and the Start Ugly book is almost a key to allow that to unlock. The Messengers is allowing that to unlock. The movie, the conference again. So all the thing, things I do, whether they're in different mediums, different projects, but they're all basically the same thing, allowing people to reach their greatest potential through these unique and weird ways that I've um, calculated. So I will tell you, I have lost my purpose in, in sometimes, and that's when... I sold the business and then I was looking back in the rearview mirror trying to keep things afloat as I saw someone purchase it and destroy it. Let's just put it that way. It's very oh, painful wow. to watch. However, it happens all the time. So you can't get personally attached. So always have a future to live into is my advice on any front. So that way you have something that you're living into. Um, I want to say when life is done for me, that I've lived the Teddy Roosevelt quote of spend or be spent. So I am spending meaning spending your life's energy doing what you want. Otherwise, it will be spent for you when, when the end comes. How do you embrace a label or identity that's, that's been given to you personally and or for the person tuning in? I spent all, all my life in embracing a label that I sold myself as truth, right? It wasn't. And, and it was to my detriment. But, you know, when we, when we believe something, we look for all justification to make it so. Like I started this dialogue, you've been called a variety of amazing, humbling uh, words and adjectives. How do, you, how do you process all that? So Albert Einstein used to say, because uh, people would, you know, kiss his butt all day long every day, greatest genius in, you know, hundreds of years since Isaac Newton. Imagine that kind of praise. And he'd always laugh and chuckle and he would tell his friends, I know who I am. And he goes, so basically you just have to have an awareness that I am just a being on this earth like every other being and we're from the same source. Whatever that source is, we all come from the same place. So I'm just doing my part and... What, however people view who I am, that's amazing. But at the core, I'm, we're one in the same as far as we're all on this planet. I'm just trying to do something that I think is good uh, and raise the kids, my, my two little ones, just like you have. And other than that, I mean, you know, uh, either one of two truths is, is true, and I think they're both true at the same time. We're all insignificant, like a grain of sand, and we're all the most significant beings on the on, in the universe, all at the same time. If you could have both of those realities, you realize that uh, you know everything's meant to be treasured, and everybody is a, is a gift on this earth. Hmm. Everybody and everything, I should say. Yeah, there's so much so much power in those in those statements. I live each and every day embracing that that truth as well. The Hidden Entrepreneur brand and show is about no longer hiding, right? Stepping into what I'm fully capable of doing for the reasons that drive me forward. Uh, can you share a time with us where fear just held you back and you knew you can go in one of two ways and you were able to work through it? I'll just share the first Guinness World Record attempt. Um, I knew I was going to do it, and I talked to the Guinness World Record team. I knew June 1st that I wanted to do it, and fear held me back for three weeks without pulling the trigger based on just thinking about it. Wow. And the reason why that's consequential is the event was supposed to be, I think, originally it was August 1st through the 5th. I think we pushed it back to the 10th through the 15th. 
Those three weeks were crucial in promotions. I lost them thinking about possibly not doing the event out of fear. Mm. And the reason why that's consequential, had we not done that event, I don't know where PodFest would be right now because we would have been lost in the noise. You know, maybe we'd still have a, a very strong brand, but instead that allowed us to propel through the fear and move past my own limitations and grow. But we didn't know how to do an event of that size. No one's ever done anything like that virtually live. Um, and Andrew, the young gentleman that works with me said, this is like building a plane while you're trying to fly in midair. And I said, what a great analogy, because we didn't know what we were doing. We jumped in the air and hoped to build a plane in real time. And it's very entrepreneurish. But that, that set a different course for our brand. We now have become the largest brand of its kind, I believe, confidently. I could say that after achieving two Guinness World Records. Um, actually, the second one, we're in process. But uh, we've become the standard globally, and it's going to open up doors where we're going to be taking our attendees and offering them trips and bus trips around the world to literally spread the message of, of podcasting to different countries next year. So we got all these amazing plans in place. The first one will probably be in Japan. And then wow. the second one will be in Europe. We're going to do a European tour. How exciting. Uh, so much of what you do is, is rallying the people who want to get on the bus and showing them the door, saying, hey, it's, it's wide open. But what's intriguing about you, especially doing research for this episode, you are not really engaging or indulging tremendously on social media, right? I looked up your Instagram, mm, hit or miss. I looked up your LinkedIn, it's there. I looked up your Facebook, okay. Where are you hiding out? How are you marketing? How do you get your message out then if not overwhelmingly social media? Yeah, so my superpower is, is not necessarily social media. My superpower is creating a community that cares for one another. Mm -hmm. So if you really think about it, as we move into the future, it's going to be almost impossible to market with money. Uh, because word of mouth is becoming so prevalent and people are trusting word of mouth over uh, money. So I could mm. literally throw $100,000 into a fire pit and burn it. It'll be just as useful as um, putting it into <laughs> Facebook ads. I'm not saying we don't do Facebook ads. All I'm saying is there's a, there's a diminishing returns where you want to put the your investment is spending time with your community, investing with uh, listening to your community, setting up uh, one-to-ones with your community. And then when they know that you, you trust them and they trust you, they will help bring their friends to the fold. And that's how we grow is literally through word of mouth. So, and you realize with the artificial intelligence, you'll be asking these devices, what podcast conference should I go to? The wisdom of the community will already be out there. So then PodFest will probably come up at the top. I won't have to market that. It'll be word of mouth that's being generated throughout everything. So wow. I, I made a concerted effort. Now I do know how to use social media. Of we course. do have a team, but it's not, I'm not very overly active. And then the other thing I would tell you, Josh, and you know this, some, someone might say, hey, you're not a big YouTuber. What gives you the right to do YouTube education or XYZ? Or you're not a huge podcaster. I'm a hobbyist podcaster. I have a lot of different podcasts that I uh, test and enjoy. Uh -huh. And we do the Kid Friendly Network, which I produce. But we have Jimmy Murray does all the, all the on-mic uh, talent. Uh -huh. I would say to them, it's like saying, you know, you got the world's greatest cancer doctor. Do they have to have cancer to treat someone with cancer if they've been doing research and uh -huh. uh, dedicate their life? My life has been dedicated to doing 
events that bring people together in a facilitated environment for greatness to happen. And I've done over 3,000 events. On my bio, we put 2,000 because it's almost unbelievable to say 3,000. And I've, Gabe went, and I one day sat down and we, we cataloged it. So my, my superpower is community. And what I've realized is if your community has your back, they will bring their friends to the fold. Uh, we gave out over 530 something codes for people to, to promote mm-hmm. Pod Global. And that was a record in itself. And we were excited to see people contributing and bringing their friends to the fold. So if I'm, if, if, if I'm trying to now go back to this very dialogue we had and extract some of the main points themes and action steps. It seems like what we're talking about is you have to find it first within yourself, how you can get over any limiting belief or limitation that's holding you back from moving forward. Step one, right? Because no matter what you know you can do, like, oh, share your message. Oh, do it through podcasts. Oh, gather and rally a community. Well, if you don't believe that you're the type of person who should and could be doing that, all bets are off. So step one is you really have to do the work to figure out how to confidently step by step, slowly but surely, as you say, start ugly and put it out there. And then Once you do that, you will, by definition, attract the very people who like it, who want more of it, who want to support it, who want to feel it. And then you just sort of build upon itself, stack it and stack it and stack it, go back to the drawing board, figure out what you're doing right, what you can improve on, put ego aside, move forward, attract more people. Is that sort of the game plan? Yeah, yeah, putting ego aside is probably the largest thing. Um, I had a sponsor yesterday I was talking to, not going to name them, uh, but they were like, hey, we'd love to be part of your community. We only sponsor this other event. For you, we'd love the pleasure if you just brought people to the fold and registered accounts with us. It's like, okay, so you want me to work for free, but you'll sponsor the other event. So what they're saying is they don't trust our community yet because they haven't experienced it. Mm -hmm. But can I tell you how loud the ego is yelling in the back of my head? saying, we just set two Guinness World Records. What other proof do you want? (laughs) But that's the ego speaking. They just don't trust yet. And you have to understand, hey, so if you could put the ego side, the last thing I would say, Josh, stop asking for permission. Mm -hmm. Everybody's always asking for permission to do what they want to do. I think we've been conditioned to have these uh, governors on our head. So if you don't know, in a car, the really Mm -hmm. fast cars, they have governors. I know you do, but again, I was listening is yeah. what's called the governor, which governors, it can't go to 200 miles an hour, goes to 130. So you don't, you know, wind up killing people on the road. The, in, in life, stop asking people for permission to start a podcast. Just start one. Now you might want to meet people like Josh, myself, that could give you some actionable steps and some like, here's best practices. Absolutely. But don't ask people for permission. Uh, there's no need for it. Go do what you got to do and, and, and then get better as you go along. And it's that very, very concept that frames everything that I've, I've done in my life to date. 
uh, just the fact that thinking you have to ask permission when it's the exact reverse. You're only going to get the attention of the people you need in your corner when they see you stepping up and doing the very thing you're attempting to doing. Win, lose, or draw. It doesn't matter the outcome. Just go and do it. Uh, I'll leave you with this final question, Chris. Uh, what is the motto or mantra you live by each and every day? There's a, so I'll give you the quote that I had a paint. I had an artist create a painting and it's of a grandfather and a grandson pointing at a nighttime sky. And there's a star shooting across the sky. And on the bottom of their feet, it says, keep your feet on, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. And it's attributed to Teddy Roosevelt. But basically I'm always keeping my feet on the ground and my eyes on the stars and in that painting, uh, at the time, we had like 733 people in our community. So we have that many stars. And any one time, we're looking at different stars that are shooting across the sky. So my job is to help th that tapestry. But that's my mantra. Keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Um, and history favors the bold. Always remember that. Wow. Uh, looking forward to the professional version of Chris Kremitzos, what is five, seven years down the road look like? Hopefully I'm the same person I am now. Uh, professionally, we believe that Pod Global will be part of a much larger ecosystem of creators. We already own VidFast, which is for YouTubers. So it'll be a creator village. Think of it as a, like an Olympic village. And 100,000 creators come together, converge on or in Orlando um, huh. to meet one another, transact, meet with brands, uh, really develop uh, this amazing ecosystem that really can't be undone. And then for me, I'll, I'll also have a really beautiful farmhouse personally where I could uh, kind of chill out on the farmhouse on the weekends uh, with, the, with the animals that my wife and I will be rescuing. Oh, it's beautiful. Just like you are, Chris. Thank you so much for being you, doing what you do. And thank you for being my 200th guest. It did not let down. It's been extraordinary. I look forward to every moment in the future with you. Thank you. Thanks, brother. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I really appreciate the support. We're going to do more of this as the days go on. Uh, until we meet again, do the good work. Go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time.